right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are PS This Is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 241. This is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash PS This Is Awesome. Go visit us on Twitter at PS This Is Awesome. And if you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PlayStation Network, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at jakesaw01. As always, you can write our show at pssisawesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends. Make sure to leave comments, rate the podcast as you see fit, and all that other kind of jazz. As a reminder, we are a video podcast as well. So you can watch the show, if you prefer, over to YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe to that. And for new and or longtime listeners, we now have a Patreon where you can support our show at a $1 level called the One and Only $1 Club. Head over to www.patreon.com slash PS This Is Awesome to become a $1 patron. Get a free die-cut vinyl sticker mailed to you in the mail and a shout-out on our show for $1 a month. With that out of the way, Jake, how are we doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. I spent the whole week in Chicago. Uh, that was neat. But I'm back now and um, kind of wore out from the trip. I was, we played a show last night. I had I basically drove all the way back from Chicago and then had enough time to essentially clean up and get in the car and drive all the way up to Erie yeah. to play that show. Um, but uh, it ended up okay. And then um, – but other than that, I mean, I, I'm having a pretty good day. How about yourself? Good, man. Real good to hear. Yeah, that show was something else, wasn't it? I was just at the store. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. So for the listeners who don't know, um, I am an honorary member. Actually, I was inducted to the 40 Under 40 for Erie, Pennsylvania uh, when I was 39 years old. They caught me just in the nick of time. And uh, they like to have these parties every year for the new inductees. We were asked to play as as the flood. So Jake came down, the band came down, and uh, long story short, we we have made friends with a with a dude in town who's a fantastic sound guy, nice guy, really likes our music, who just happened to be working like this other stage for the forty under forty. But the stage we were told there was going to be sound on, like it was really just tossed together. And uh, you know, this is the kind of shit that like I just wish we were a little more popular because this would not happen. You know what I mean? If we were just a little famous, this would never happen. But it doesn't. So we have to deal with these kinds of things. Always grateful to be asked to do something like this. But it was uh, it was kind of stressful. And the room we played in was like 3,000 degrees. So I don't know. It was a fun time. I just got back from the store, like I was saying. And um, it was really weird. It was a weird sight. Maybe only in, in northwest Pennsylvania we see this. But I saw this guy on a Harley. And, you know, the sun's going down. He's got his backwards hat on, no helmet. And he's just, like, revving at the, at the stoplight. And I have my window down, and I hear, So over, carry on. He's listening to Loser by Beck. And he's, like, he's choking on a splinter. He's like, and I'm, like, why is that guy? And it was so loud. It was so much. It was, like, intentionally loud. Almost like he wanted the world to hear that Beck song. And I was, like, Psst. I think, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, and this is pro- this may or may not be uh may or ma- may or may not be controversial but uh i don't think it's that hot hot of a take to say that um those sound systems that people blare on their fucking harleys oh, yeah. should be illegal yeah yeah they should be it's illegal it's so annoying and they they also don't ever sound good 
I've never heard one that's like, oh, wow, that sounds really nice. Because it's always battling the noise of the bike. One of the things that's like – the way that I look at it is I'm like, you know what's easier and better is to just wear a helmet with a sound <laughs> system in it. <laughs> But yeah. no, all these guys are usually like fucking just manly men with their beards and their fucking leather vests with no helmet on, just cranking, you know. Usually it's like back in black by ACDC, but it was yeah, Beck this like time, some, which was such like a some, weird choice. Yeah, it's usually <laughs> like some classic rock or like some country occasionally yeah. around here. Yeah. But – uh yeah, you never hear like um, you never hear like fucking Weezer coming out of a, yeah. a or the thing Foo like Fighters or, or the, yeah, or, yeah, right, yeah or, Super or, Drag yeah, or, or some sort of good yeah, band. Or, or like freaking Ariana Grande or something like that is not coming out of this, this fucking motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. so fucking uh, I always it's one of the it's it's one of the jokes I always <laughs> it's it's one of the jokes I always make that is so true, and I have this conversation with a guy at work all the time about how how. Like, and I don't, I don't mean this. I, I hate to like paint broad strokes, you know, but Harley guys, like the stereotypical Harley guys are literally some of the most vain people I've ever yeah. met in my entire oh, life. Sure. Like they just, they've got to have their, you know, their gear on and their, their fancy bike and their big sound system and all this stuff. And I'm like, you do you, but whenever I'm like, sitting in the car and I can't hear my own fucking music because your motorcycle beside me is so fucking loud so that you can hear it over your motorcycle and the wind noise Yeah, that it's just, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess how is it any different than, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago when people used to have the big sound systems in their car? It's really and not. They used to drive around, boom, 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 you know, but uh, I don't know. It's a bit of a digression, I guess. It's a little it's- different because there's usually a, pr- a pretty good age gap, right? Like a lot of the people ki- – people blasting music in the car like younger kids. Um, usually men who ride Harleys are usually in their early 30s to like end of life. Um, you don't yeah. see usually many 20-year-olds ripping around on Harleys. <laughs> it's like I don't know. They, <laughs> the, the demographic is typically an older man, older white dude. And uh, it's the only people that can afford them. Mm. That's the truth. All right. Well, shit, man. Um, I don't really have much else to say. The weekend has been good so far. I've been working on some miniatures. You probably can't, you probably can't see these, but I have this game, and uh, I had it as a kid. Um, yeah, this little dude here. I'm showing it to Jake on the on the other call. I see that? Yeah, it's the guy with a gun sword. Yeah, thing. he's like this little monster guy. So there was a game back in the day. I, I know I talk about a lot about Hero Quest, but there was another game called Siege of the Citadel, and it was made by Pressman Games, and it was from uh, um, early early nineties. And uh, it's got a, it's gotten a second edition that kickstarted in like 20, 2018, 2017 That was just recently fulfilled by by Mo, Mo, Modius or Mophius or Mortifus or something like that. I don't know. But needless to say, it's an old game that very heavily kind of plays on the whole space marine aesthetic and uh it's very fun you have two teams you have multiple teams of two excuse me and you play for different corporations your people and uh 
I found this. There's a there's an online website um, for a really big uh, game reseller board game, not video game board game reseller called Noble Knights, Noble Knight Gaming or Noble Knight Games. And uh, I found a, a the old version that I had as a kid. And now that I'm into painting minis and I have all this gear and stuff to paint things really nice and like get nice sets made, um, I found this game for sale for like 50 bucks. The, the original version. And I was like, dude, I'm going to grab this because I remember playing it as a kid and it was a lot of fun. And uh, you can't find a copy of it now for less than 100 usually. So I got a killer deal on it. And then when they sent it to me, they sent, sent it to me without a card, which is hilarious. I was missing one one uh, weapon card because I did stock when I got it and I wrote them. And their customer support was amazing. Like, yeah, we'll get that to you. And somehow they had the card. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. Unless they pulled it from another game um, they had on stock. But yeah, dude. So I've been painting that. Siege of the Citadel, Mutant Chronicles, first edition. Um, I forget what those guys are called. But I only have two figures left to paint and that set will be complete. And that's a fucking fun game. We need to we need to play this. This is awesome. It's like you go into like alien territory and your levels are timed. There are so many action cards per level. And uh, at the beginning of each each round, you flip one, and it's like, oh, the alarm system trips, and all these bad guys show up. And, like, you're competing with other corporations, so other two-person teams of corporations. But essentially, you all want to make it out alive, so you kind of cooperate. But whoever gets the most kills get the most credits. And then in between levels, you use those credits to level up your weapons, and your, and your characters get better. And uh, it's really cool. And if you have the most experience with your corporation team and you lose – and people don't – you lose the quest or the mission. Um, you get docked experience points because you're supposed to be like the captain and that does bad team leadership. So like you get fucked mm. like if, if you're the highest level and you guys don't make it out alive. So there's, there's a lot of like uh, maneuvering and stuff in this game. It's real simple. It's a dice roller. There's not a lot. It's not heady or anything. It's just like here's some aliens. You get points for killing so many and then you just kind of fight, you know, go against your teammates, uh, other – other players, I guess, right? Other corporation players, and you're just trying to rack up the most kills and achieve the mission to save humanity. But all these corporations are involved because they want to look good. So it's really freaking cool and interesting. Um, it's a little, it's a little cheesy and, and on the nose with some of the some of the classes. Like the one, the one class has like something that looks a lot like the Japanese flag. It's like the the sun. Um, but it has like the, the sun, sunbeams coming out or whatever. And then the one guy's like a samurai. He has like this electric sword and the other guy has like this, uh, like, like weird, like Mongolian shield or something. Mongolians isn't uh, Japanese, but very Asian based group. And then you have like capitalist America group with like the guy who looks like he chugs a lot of beers and has a really big gun. So it's a really fucking cool game. <laughs> Anyways, I've been working on that, but let's, uh, let's talk about some, games that we're playing um i'm trying to keep the notes again and it is so hard i don't know how i can sing guitar sing and play guitar at the at the same time but i can't track the t- the the time stamps for when we're getting into these conversations and write it down it's actually kind of tough for me to do games we're playing right now i'm still working on lake and i talked about it's your your postal delivery game i am there's two weeks you're gone for two weeks uh i am I just completed Tuesday of the second week, so I have about four mm. more days, five more days left to go. They go pretty quick. It's like 20 minutes for a day, um, so it's not a very long game. It's just it's not a game I like. want to sit down and just plow through. You know what I mean? So yeah. whenever I kind of get bored, I put it on, but it's going good. Um, 
That's about all I've had time for this week. Work's been kicking my ass, been stressing me out. You were in Chicago. Did you get any gameplay in? Did you do anything? So I played a little bit of Cyberpunk still Mm -hmm. uh, before – after the last time we recorded but before I left for uh, this – left for as they call Second City over there in the Midwest. (laughs) Um, But I usually have some hotel time when I'm there. So I always take my – I take my Xbox Series S because I don't want to get my PS5 busted. In travel, um, plus the PS5 right. is just way bigger and would be difficult to transport. So, um, as I've talked about on the show, I'm a, a, a Game Pass subscriber. So, a lot of times I'll kind of pick something out to play while I'm on one of these trips or whatever, just to like try something new. And so, the two games that I've been playing this week are. One of them is called Midnight Fight Express. Oh, I don't this game heard of this cool. before. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, it's almost like a. It it seems like it was clearly inspired by Hotline Miami. Yeah, but it's more of like an isometric, like it's not like you get hit once you die, like kind of like Hotline Miami is. It's not that fast paced. There's a little bit more like skill. A little to more it. forgiving. You have a little. There's a little more forgiveness. You have health. You can kind of – you can get beat up a little bit and still make it through the level and stuff. Um, the game is really cool. My <laughs> one gripe about it so far is that the controls are really sluggish and I don't understand why. They're not snappy enough. Like I feel like it's – like there's a little bit of a lag between like when you press the attack button and the character does the attack. I don't know if it's because it's winding up some animation or – if it's just like an input lag thing, but for whatever reason, it it doesn't necessarily det- like like once you get into it, it's not like killing the experience, but it is like noticeable and it is annoying. But other than that, the game itself seems really cool. Uh, so I I would recommend if people have a chance to check that out because it I'm playing it on Game Pass, but it is out on PlayStation, I believe. Yeah. Um. And then the other game I've been playing, and this is one that I highly recommend to you, Fred, is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Ah. It is so fucking good. <laughs> it's one of those – dude, I, I'm not even a big beat-em-up fan. I don't really even like them that much, but – if you are into Streets of Rage, I don't know how you could not love this game. Yeah. It is so good. The the fucking the the whole like the intro sequence when you start the game, mm-hmm. it's like they made a new and I could be completely wrong about this, but it's like they made a new intro for the classic TMNT cartoon with like the the theme song and everything, and they like made it look like it was from like a VC- VHS era, like fucking cartoon. Like it's all grainy and shit. And like, then you just like get into the game, and it's all just, it looks like a Super Nintendo game, and it plays like a Super Nintendo game. And it, all the controls are really snappy. I love the movesets of the turtles. Like they're all a little bit different. I, I only played, so I played with. Leo is my favorite, but I also played with Donatello and Michelangelo, mm-hmm. and 
both of them are cool, but I like the the swords that Leo has. He has this like ability where if you do like a like a double jump and then attack, he does this like this like flip roll where he like kind of like uh is like attacks with he almost makes like a spinning blade mm-hmm. whenever he like rolls with his swords. And it's really mm-hmm. useful for like the way I kind of like to play the game. But um I guess when you beat it, you unlock Casey Jones, which uh, I really think would be fucking awesome to play as. Uh, and and I'm I don't know how far I am into it, but I'm like on world like level like I don't know thirteen or fourteen or something like mm-hmm. that. So I got pretty far in it, considering each level is like they average like ten minutes long, something like that, which is a lot for me um, in a week to do. But uh, yeah, so I I did play a. a I did play a couple hours of that other game, Midnight Fight Express. It was a lot of fun, but I kept getting drawn back to TMNT, dude. It is so good. I get that, it. That, I, that, for, for a new game, it is – I mean it, it, at least if they have it on sale or something like that, you should snag it because I, I think that you would – now maybe I'm wrong, but seeing as how much you loved Streets of Rage, oh, I think that you it. would really enjoy it. That's good, man. I'm glad you're playing that. I'll tell you what. There's a um... – if I can pull it up real quick, I have a I have my wish list, and uh, my wish list is freaking getting out of control. We should do this sometime where we list all the games on our wish list. Um, I won't go yeah. through them all, but right now, games similar, maybe it is it is on my wish list, and it's on sale for twenty bucks right now on the PSN. Oh, really? Um, it retails at twenty five, so it's five dollars off. I have Ghost and Goblins Resurrection on there also. That game looked really fucking yeah. good. Um, but it looked really, really hard. And it's 30 bucks. It's on sale for 20 And then what else did I have on there? I don't know why I have Dreams on. I have Dreams on there. Uh, I guess I'm just curious about it. Um, that game Jet, The Far Shore, was on my list. It's 40% mm-hmm. off at 18 bucks. But uh, let me see here. Didn't we get Dreams? I thought we got Dreams in like fucking PS Plus or something. I don't know. I do have the Capcom Beat 'em Up bundle, which is not on sale. That's twenty bucks. And Bubble mm-hmm. Bobble, still Bubble Bobble Four. It's it never goes below twenty four dollars, and I'm not willing to pay that for it. I may never play that game, but um, yeah, we should we should have a section where we talk about our wish list at some point. Maybe next episode. Do you have a wish list going? Um, I don't know if I have one like actively because you can make can you make one? Yeah, on you the can PSN? make them on the PSN, and then whenever those games are on sale, you get a notification seeing a game on your wish list is currently on sale. It's fucking nice. Oh, okay, so I haven't used that. Okay, but I could compile one pretty easily. Yeah. That might be a good topic for two fifty or something. Yeah, I agree. That would be good. All right, well, let's get into the news. Um, so it's been a pretty big news week but not as big as last week but the big thing we got was a state of play and we're going to get to that but but first i want to kind of go over a couple other things real quick the first point is is that street fighter 6 um finally has released the initial characters that are going to be included with their upcoming game um there was a pretty interesting trailer for the single player world tour mode and that'll lead the player on a personal journey to discover their quote unquote truths true strength that trailer's kind of interesting. You can find that online anywhere at this point, probably. Um, the roster's going to have 18 characters. Um, in per Push Square, the list is uh, going to include Luke, Jamie, Manon, Kimberly, Marissa, 
Lil, Lily, JP, Jury, DJ, Cami, Ryu, E Honda, Blanca, Guile, Ken, Chun Li, Zangief, and Dalzheim. So keep in mind there will most likely be additional DLC down the road, despite having announced any future plans at this point for the title. The first nine people I've never heard of. I was going to say, I only recognize maybe half of that cast. And it's like the second half, which you said, which are like all the classic yeah. Street Fighter characters. There's a couple so, that, There's a couple that are notice, noticeably absent, like uh, Saget and Bison's not on there. Um, Blanca's on there, which is cool. I feel like there's there's a couple other ones that, that – I'm used to seeing in Street Fighter. Well, M-, M. Bison is fucking gonna be in there. I mean, how can he not be? He's like the main villain. Mm. And Saget is his fucking lieutenant. How could they both? How could both of those characters not be in that game? They're probably not Unless even relevant of, anymore. I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're DLC characters. It's weird that those That's two. Interesting. Yeah, weird that those two aren't in there. And then uh, who was the boxer? They had a boxer, Balrog. Oh, a uh, Balrog. Yeah, he's not on here. So interesting, but um, yeah. What do you think about this, man? Every t- oh, man, world tour mode, single player mode, Street Fighter. Like, I don't know if you make a custom character or how this fucking works, but I fucking love. If I'm gonna play a fighting game, like a straight up fighter, it's gonna be Street Fighter. It's not gonna be anything else. Street Fighter is the one that has my heart. Well, maybe Mortal Kombat, but it's one of the two. Hmm. I don't know. Any interest yet in this game, Jake? Game, Jake? Like, if it's free or like, I mean, would you want to try it know. if you were I, given the option? If I'm gonna play, I'll be honest. Like, the only fighting game that when I see it, I actually want to play it is uh, is Tekken. <laughs> for for whatever reason, I I don't know. I think that I've just totally written off fighting games yeah. because I know that I'm never going to be good enough. Like especially these types of fighting games. I can get into like the platform <laughs> fighters and stuff because they're just easier to play. Mm-hmm. They they control a little bit more fluidly. There's not so much they're they aren't complicated. They're easy to do. But these ones that are like slow and plodding, like you press like dude, just the fact that you press up to jump pisses me off so much. Oh, I you love can't it. Even imagine. I love it. I hate it so much. It's got to be but up to jump. Whatever. I I'm interested in like viewing these <laughs> games, but I'm not necessarily interested in actually playing them. All right, fair enough. Fair enough, man. Well, I'm excited to at least maybe play it if it gets on sale, and I'm sure it will. Uh it'll t- it usually takes a while for Street Fighter to go on sale, but it'll happen. It will happen next news point is ps vr2 jake we're finally getting some news regarding the vr2 we need to hash this out we need to talk about it i don't know what all you've seen but sites such as Eurogamer, ign they now have had a chance to go hands-on with the ps vr2 for what i've seen it's pretty much exactly what sony has been saying that this unit is um, a more easy-to-use, leveled-up version of the PSVR. However, I will say the IGN hands-on review of this kind of pissed me off. They were critical of it, but the, but the dude reviewing it, and I don't know who he was. I'm not putting him on blast or anything, but he seemed kind of like – it was almost like they were like, let's take the dude at IGN 
who is the VR guy, right? So he shows up and like he was he just seemed so lackluster about what he had to say. He didn't talk about some of the other things. Eurogamer, their video reviews seemed much more detailed. Like the the IGN guy was just, yeah, I went, I tried on the unit. Pretty this the vibe I got. It was like, yeah, it was uh, you know, it looked good. Um, I wish I would have implemented haptics a little better. Uh, you know, didn't really feel the rumble much. This, that, you know, uh and, and then it was just like I, I don't know. And but then Eurogamer was like, the games that we played didn't utilize the rumble features. Um as much, so it seems like that's a thing that's going to be contingent on how the games are programmed, right? So the, the four games that they got to play, mm. um, I think they got to play Resident Evil Village in VR. Uh, another one was like the Horizon uh, demo in VR, and then I think there were two other ones. But uh, if you're going to watch a review on the PSVR 2, or at least the first hands-on experience, watch the one from Eurogamer. Hell, watch them both, but I thought the Eurogamer one was a little more... Not that it was, like, more positive. It just seemed more thorough. Like, the guy who actually reviewed it actually fucking cared about it. Um, it was weird. It was weird. It's the first time one of these IGN videos just kind of struck me like the guy didn't really care about it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did did they say what uh, what games they played? I don't the know IGN one that. didn't, but the Eurogamer did. The Eurogamer review did, and I can't remember... I know it was those two that I mentioned, and then there must have been, there must have been two others. Um, I don't recall what they were though. I should have written them down. But so that's interesting. And uh, as news continues to trickle out regarding the VR2 unit, Sony has confirmed that PSVR games are not compatible with the PSVR2. So if you mm-hmm. plan on getting a VR2. Don't go stocking up on PSVR game sales right now and buying them, thinking, oh, when I get the VR2, I'm going to be able to use them, because they're not going to be compatible. And this could be due to numerous reasons, and an obvious one probably is being that the controllers are going to be entirely different, and the tracking system is completely different. So there must be something about the way they have to program these games to work in VR to work with the way that the tracking and the controls are used. I don't I don't know, but there's also not a light bar on the DualSense controller and there is on the DualShock. And uh, some of those games like Astrobot required the light bar use um, for certain parts where you had to hold it and push it forward and stuff to match the thing. Um, can't fucking do that with the DualSense. So Sony continuously locks themselves out of their own pro- their own hardware all the time. So that's interesting. Any opinion on that? I'm guessing that it just has a lot to do with how the new PSVR unit works. Like how you have to program the actual like vision tracking and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes it just kind of difficult for them to just do a, like a one-to-one port. Um, and so I guess I'm not entirely surprised by this. And it kind of makes me glad that I don't own a ton of PSVR games. Yeah, I do. Because kind of PSVR 2 seems like it might command the amount of – it might have evolved enough to where I'm going to actually be interested in using it regularly, unlike the first VR, which was still – which was great at launch. I had a lot of fun with it, especially with games – excuse me, like Thumper. Mm-hmm. But – um I just I couldn't get over the just the clumsiness of the setup. 
uh, with the with the move controllers and all the cables and the fucking camera and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, I'm really excited for the new one, and I'm sure that this is really a bummer for a lot of people, but it doesn't really affect me much. Yeah. Well, that being said, PSVR Without Parole, which is a super popular YouTube channel for the PSVR, has done deep diving on this issue, Jake. And they've reported that a lot of developers are actually working on ports of their popular PSVR games, so they can be played on PSVR. But with that being said, it certainly makes existing PSVR users question if or what the upgrade price is going to be to have their already purchased VR games work on the new VR2 headset. So it would definitely be a bummer um, to lose games like Blood and Truth, Wipeout, Omega Collection, Thumper, No Man's Sky VR, Skyrim VR, all those games. It would suck to lose those, just lost to the hardware. Um, in other titles you know, that are, that are really decent that I, that I had that I really liked, hopefully the ports are relatively easy to make. But do you think they're going to do some kind of uh, structured pricing or offer free upgrades for already purchased VR games that got a VR2 Port? I would think I would say that like it, Moss? it's going to be up to the de- it's going to be up to the developer, right? Because that's the way that PS4 to PS5 is. Are they going to make their their PSVR2 version free or not? Is it going to be a free upgrade or is it going to be a a pay to upgrade? You know, right. I wouldn't surprise me if Sony was like, oh, if you want Astrobot, it's going to cost you ten dollars to upgrade to the new version. Mm-hmm. But you know, it could be that. Let's say the ones the company that made Arizona Sunshine they port it to PSVR two. They might say, Saints "Oh and well, or, yeah, yeah." Or they're they're like, "Oh well, we'll just make it free if you want to upgrade." It really and it also probably really depends on how much effort it really takes. If it's like a full on fucking rebuild of the controls and everything, then they may all charge for it. But if it's like just a a tweak here and there and, and making some adjustments and maybe brushing up the graphics, then who knows? It, it, they might be free. It really depends on the developer, I think. Yeah, they need to come up with some sort of compiler that just takes the existing code for the VR game and just, like, compiles it and rearranges it to work on a VR2. Like, there's got to be some easy, quick... And then you could just bug check it, right? Just do some quality assurance tests and then just be, okay, here's the new fucking version. There's, you would think there would be something like that. But well, like I said, I think it depends on how like the vision portion of it is programmed because Sony is completely <coughs> changing the way that the vision works on the PSVR2 yeah. with the inside out tracking and all of that kind of shit. It's completely different than PSVR was. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that it's a lot of work to port it. Yeah. I don't think it's so much a, a problem with the controls as it is the vision portion. That but e- I could be wrong. Even the Tomb Raider VR part was awesome. You get to walk around in, in Croft Manor. And then the other VR thing I really enjoyed was Resident Evil uh, 7, right? Or no, 6. Which one was before Village? 7, right? Res- Village is 8, right? Resident Evil? Yeah. I get that so confused because they don't ever call it what it is. Yeah. All right. So whatever 7 was, Biohazard or whatever they called it, that game in VR was awesome. But this makes me wonder, man, like what are they going to do? What are they going to do, man? I, I w- what I would like to see is some sort of upgrade path. Like, okay, we verified you own the game. It's only – we're going to charge you 5 bucks for the upgrade or 10 bucks for the upgrade instead of buying it flat out for 30 or 40 dollars that way you can go through your library and be like okay these are the fucking games i really liked on vr i want to try out the new headset like thumper would be on my list the omega collection would be on my list probably the resident evil would be on my list 
can't blood and truth would be on there. So I could spend like forty bucks and get four of my games. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I'm sure it's it'll fucking, be. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, it's kind of we'll a disaster at the moment, but yeah, I don't know. I I digress. Well, let's talk about the state of play, Jake. We said we were going to do that, and uh, there's a bit to talk about here. Um, they rolled this out of nowhere. It really, it really came out of nowhere. It was like one of those things where it was like, oh, by the way, we're doing this tomorrow. So there was like no time to even ruminate on what it might be or ponder. Um, so let's. I don't even have an order. I pulled the order, I think, from Push Square, but I did make my own list and I sent it to you because you wrote me. You're like, dude, I didn't even, I didn't even get to watch the state of play. And I was like, you didn't miss a whole lot. There were a couple really interesting games on there. Um, the first thing that was interesting was the Tekken 8 reveal for PS5. Now, Jake, you said if you saw any game, it would be a Tekken game that you'd be excited about. Did you watch this trailer or no? So I did scrub through the whole – like I said, I, I was traveling, so I didn't get a chance to watch the state of play like when it came out. But I did scrub back through it, and I watched the trailer. It was just like a cinematic kind of thing. I mean I think it just showed uh, uh, Kazuya and Jin Kazama fighting, and it was just like basically a cinematic fight sequence between the two of them. I'm sure some of it was like – some of it looked like it was legit gameplay. And some of it might have just been kind of just, like, cinematic overture. But, like, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where when I say that I am interested in it, like, I don't care about, uh, like, the hype leading up to the game or whatever. I, 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 It's just, like, I like to see it and it looks cool, but I don't necessarily care so much about trailers and stuff. So yeah. we'll see. I don't know. It, I did see it. It was interesting, but... I moved on pretty quickly. Yeah. I did read that the Tekken 8, they are rebuilding all of their assets from scratch for this game. Mm. So they've, they're putting a lot of TLC into this game. So I, I would imagine it's going to be fucking rad. Um, but that's cool. It looks good. I mean, the trailer looks fucking legit. Yeah. If that is, if any of that is real gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, the next thing that we got, well, this isn't the next thing in order, but we did see a new story trailer for God of War Ragnarok. I'll be honest, I watched it, but while I was watching it, I was like, I don't fucking want to see any of this. I don't want to see any of it. And I saw some imagery that kind of pissed me off because I was like, that would have been really cool to not know that that was going to come up eventually. I'm just so tired of I didn't of watch shit. it. This is the one thing I didn't watch. I didn't watch any of the God of War stuff. Smart. I, I knew that they announced the controller. I already saw images of it online. I didn't need to see that. And I saw, saw the – sorry to jump ahead. But I saw the um, – I saw when it when that trailer started, I was just like, okay, I know they're talking about this because I already saw like the, pun, like the punch list of everything they showed. Yeah. So I'm just going to – I was like, I just skipped this part. Because so, yeah. like you, I didn't really want to see any of it. Not necessarily because I'm, like, super-duper amped about God of War, but if I'm going to play it, like, I want to be – it's going to be a narrative experience. I don't want to really be – have any imagery spoiled for me. Well, the thing – Even it, if it's yeah. not necessarily story-heavy. So it'd be like – it'd be like never having played Uncharted 2 but watching a trailer where there's, like, there's this really big train scene – or like there's this really – there's like an Antarctic level where there's snow everywhere. Or like all of a sudden you're in Nepal, right? And you see these little f- snippets and it's like, OK, so no surprises for me then. I, I know all the locations. I, I know 
characters. I've seen their faces. Like I want – for games like this where it takes years and years and years and years to make, I want it to be 100 fucking cent fresh. And it's not when you get exposed to these trailers. And I only watched it because I was like, well, maybe they're going to fucking say something else. And I just I just want to know for the podcast. But I did intentionally avoid most of it. Um, and I didn't really pay pay attention, you know. But I did see some imagery that not not only did I get stoked about it, but I was also like, man, this sucks because now I know I'm going to encounter this character. And I've never seen this person before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it kind of ruined some of the artistic value of the game now. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that God of War controller? So since you already talked about that, there's a God of War controller. It's just gray. It, I I don't know. Like, do, gray, do you how many controllers do you have? I have two. Do they both work still? Yes. One of them is has two buttons that are sticky because I accidentally spilled beer on it. Yeah. But other than that, they both work fine. I I have two controllers as well, and one of them sucks, and the other one is the only one that works. And that was like the the black one I purchased. But I am in the market for a new controller, but I don't I don't really go for these game specific controllers. I'd rather just have one that just is regular. So I like the I like the the decal on the touchpad, but I don't really care for the color scheme. Yeah. Like the decal is like like a like a big wolf and a small wolf, almost like a like a father and like a pup Give or whatever. Ball. Which I assume is supposed to be like a Kratos and Atreus. Mm-hmm. But like it I mean it's a cool decal, but like you, I don't really care much about these controllers. Yeah. The, so it's not incentive enough for me to buy one. You know, I, I, I buy controllers based specifically on utility. Like I just need them um, to play games. I don't care what's on them. I don't really care what they look like. But now, if they were like, if they were like, if you buy, if you pre-order God of War, you get. Ten dollars off the God of War controller or something like oh, that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Then I would be I would be motivated to buy one. Like they don't have to give you like a huge discount or something. But I guess there's no reason for there's no incentive for them to do that because there are plenty of people out there that are interested in owning these limited edition Dude, controllers. So many people so. want it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to the next uh, next game that they talked about. There's a game called Rise of the Ronin. Um, it's a new Team Ninja game, and it's going to be a PS5 console exclusive with a slated release date of 2024. I believe this is going to be an adventure game. Any interest? You mean an adventure game? Well, like action adventure, not like okay. So <laughs> not like so you don't uh, you don't mean like fucking King's Quest? I'm just going to say King's Quest. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only adventure game that ever comes to mind. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I did. I so I, so I think this game looks cool. I mean, it, to me, it, I don't know. It's tough to tell based on the, Action the combat RPG. they showed. Yeah, I don't know if it's it's. I don't know if it's going to be more like. To me, I wonder if it's going to be. Let's say that the the center line is Ghost of Tsushima. Is it going to be more hardcore or less hardcore than that? Because it looks like an open world action action game surrounding a uh, you know a Japanese warrior in the 1800s, but is it going to be hardcore like Ninja Gaiden was, or is it going to be a little bit more forgiving, like you know more towards like what Ghost of Tsushima is. And I would even say that Ghost of Tsushima, at least at the beginning, was a little bit challenging mm-hmm. before you like really leveled up your guy. So 
I'm guessing it's going to probably be a little bit the co- the combat will probably be a little bit challenging, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping it's not like overwhelmingly hardcore like Neo was. Um cuz this is the team that made Neo. So, but I do think that the combat and I love the idea of Japan during the era when like western civilization is trying to like take it over right where like like there are like still there's still samurai but then there's also <laughs> guns and shit like at the same time yeah. it's like that movie the last samurai with tom cruise for some reason yeah, yeah 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 um like there was a there's a scene there was a really dope scene in the trailer where i didn't even know cuz i watched it um with the sound off so i don't even know what the if they even said what the guy's name was mm-hmm. but like the main character, he has like a musket with a bayonet and he fucking stabs a guy with it and then he like whips it out and like does the spin move and shoots the guy in the head. Like it's really – like to me it seems like they could do some really cool like combo type things where they marry like uh, – sort of the the melding of worlds like the gunpowder world and like the world of you know steel and melee combat and i think that it could like maybe you could build different character classes where it's like this is more guns this is more you know traditional samurai or whatever you know i i I don't know much about the game yet but it does to me it looks awesome the only thing that doesn't look awesome to me is the fact that they already announced it for fucking two years from now yeah yeah yeah. it's like why like why why even announce it at all unless you're planning on releasing this thing in like february of 24 yeah i agree yeah i i mean it's nice to get a little uh little temperature check for what sony's kind of in on right so it's nice to see these things but it also like at the same time i don't i don't fucking care because it's two years away um but it is cool um it is cool so i agree yeah it'll be interesting i think if you go to the playstation blog listeners go to the playstation blog you can go up there and you can see some of the fantastic screenshots i pulled from this and uh, one is like the samurai holding like a revolver pointing at somebody and that's just cool imagery like i don't know why it's cool but it's just fucking cool um the next one, uh, another game I want to talk about was Like a Dragon I- Ishin, and uh, it's making its way um, to us in, in the U.S. Um, for a February 2023 release. Now, I do want to say Like a Dragon is a continuation of the Yakuza franchise. They're just no longer calling it Yakuza. Um, I don't know if you knew that. So, so do, you, do, you, do you know what the concept is of this game? Of this, so, of this game, this this particular game, I, I, it's I mean, based the, in like the, the 1860s. I know that much. So the listeners can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure what they did with this game, which I think is super fucking cool, is they took the characters from Yakuza and just transported them back to the 1800s and made a story with the same characters, but they're in feudal Japan as opposed to modern Tokyo. And I think that that's kind of a cool concept. It's I think it's set in like a fictionalized, according to the PlayStation, a fictionalized version of Kyoto. Um, which, if you're familiar with, uh, oh my gosh, what is her name? A singer. Uh, help me out. She's in Better Oblivion Community Center. Um, Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah, Phoebe. Her latest record. She had a song that starts off "Day Off in Kyoto," and. They're talking about a day on tour in Kyoto. So this is the the Kyoto tie-in. 
was Phoebe Bridgers. I'm sure that Bridges. literally nobody that listens to this <laughs> podcast probably has ever heard that song. It's before. one of her best songs. You should listen to it. It's fantastic. But yeah, so I like Phoebe Bridgers. She's good. She's really talented. Yeah, I didn't mean to throw that uh, crazy digression wrench into what you were saying. But yeah, that sounds awesome. They're just transporting characters that we're familiar with back in the day. It'd be like if you saw Victor Sullivan in in, in Nathan Drake in like the War of 1812. <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty neat to like ha- like see a uh, see like a uh, imagine if they did an uncharted but it was like the same characters but in England in the 1500s or something like Sherlock Holmes like that stuff. would be yeah. that would be pretty fucking cool um or I don't know anyway moving on no i think it's cool i like the idea of this game do you know why they changed why they dropped the yakuza title and all their games now are like a dragon. Do you know why? Well, well, the like the new Yakuza game is called Yakuza Like a Dragon, right? And then this is called Like a Dragon Ishin, which I don't remember what Ishin means. It's a Japanese word, but it's something relevant to like this concept. Mm. Um, and then, uh, so. I don't know. Like, I think that, like, the mainline Yakuza games are still going to have the Yakuza, like, surname. It'll be, like, Yakuza Like a Dragon 2 or something like that will probably be the next one or something. But I think that this is just called Like a Dragon because it's a spinoff. And it's not, like, a mainline game. I'm on SVG.com and I looked this up and they actually have come out and said they're no longer using it. So... This is what's weird. So Sega They're no longer using Yakuza. Yeah. Oh weird. So it says Sega will be developing more sequels and spin-offs for the series going forward. This is off of svg.com. However, those games will no longer be given the Yakuza name. The first hint that this change was going to be made came when Sega announced a se- several new Yakuza games. Along with the eighth installment to the series, Sega announced two additional titles. None of their titles included the word Yakuza. Instead, According to Sega's official announcement, trailers, uh, the games were called Like a Dragon 8, Like a Dragon Ishin, and Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. Some fans may be wondering, what's the deal with the change? And it says, after noticing the shift to Like a Dragon instead of Yakuza, Kotaku's Luke Plunkett reached out to Sega to ask what exactly was going on. The company's response was quite simple. The Yakuza name is no longer being used. It has been completely replaced with Like a Dragon for all future releases in the series. And this says, according to Kotaku, Sega will be making the change in order to ensure the title is more closely aligned with the Japanese name. In much the same way the Resident Mm -hmm. Evil series is known as Biohazard in Japan, the Yakuza series has always been known as Like a Dragon in its native country. Um, So the change is simply meant to streamline the series titles, I guess. So that's interesting. So I didn't realize that, but that is the reason, I guess. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. All right, well, hey, let's move on to the next game, Jake. This one looked really awesome. This one's called Pacific Drive. It's coming to PS5. It's developed by Ironwood Studios. What'd you think of this? So, it's probably one of the more interesting things that they showed at this with this state of play. It might even be, might I don't even I don't know if it's the most interesting, but it's the most unique probably. Mm-hmm. It's like the idea of like a survival game where the whole concept is you're driving around a fucking Woody, which is for those of you that don't know, 
there was old there were old station wagons back in the 80s and 90s that had wood paneling on the side of them mm-hmm. and that's like the whole idea is it seems like you, it's a survival game but you're driving around in a fucking wood paneled station wagon like getting shit to upgrade it and i'm guessing you have to probably like explore trying to get farther and farther out from your home base and stuff and I don't know a lot about it, but it looks interesting. I need to see more, though. So this is what it says on the PlayStation blog because they have a little synopsis of some of these things that they showed at the State of Play. The first thing that came to mind was a game called Race the Sun. I don't know if you ever played that game. That was a VR game. It was also a non-VR game. And you literally just try to dodge obstacles um, as long as you possibly could. And then when you hit something, it would tell you how long you survived and it would give you a score. So like Flappy Bird. Sure. Exactly like Flappy Bird. <laughs> no, I don't fucking know what that means, but sure, I'll go along with you. Um, so this says on the PlayStation blog, born from the rhythm of an engine, Pacific Drive is a run-based first-person driving survival game. So it does say first-person. It says, as you explore the zone, your car is your lifeline. Scavenge resources to maintain and improve your car. As long as you keep it running, it will protect you from the surrounding dangers. In 1955, the U.S. government seized a region of the Pacific Northwest by eminent domain. The Olympic Peninsula became the staging ground for promising new technologies, but these utopian creations came at a great cost. Severe radiation, environmental collapse, and supernatural horrors. The government walled off the area and established the Olympic Exclusion Zone. What happened inside was never disclosed. And it says... uh, Structured as a road light instead of roguelite. Um, mm. Each trip from your garage into the zone is full of strange anomalies and technologies and plenty of radiation. If you, if you keep your car in good shape, you'll be safe to explore, scavenge for resources, and drive further into distinct biomes that offer more valuable rewards. The land shifts with every passing storm, making each journey a unique experience. Discovering new resources will allow you to outfit your vehicle with defenses, trick out your garage, and find more dangerous routes that bring you deeper and deeper into the zone. It looks cool. It's a really... It's a cool concept. I don't know. I'm not like... It's original. Real... I'm like a real into driving games like this, but... If it's forgiving enough with the roguelike shit, mm-hmm. I could see myself at least being interested in trying it out for sure. <coughs> Sorry, went down the wrong pipe. <coughs> I was laughing and I took that drink. <clears throat> if I die, at least I'll be YouTube famous. Um, yeah, no, it looks really, really cool, man. Um I like the aesthetic. It's not like super hyper realistic, but it's also like cartoony, but it doesn't look like it looks like they put some time into it. Next game, the previously pro, <clears throat> previously teased Project Eve game is now titled Stellar Blade. And we saw gameplay from that. I will say when they ran the title of this game, I couldn't fucking read it. I didn't know what it said. <coughs> Stellar Blade. Did you have that issue? I still have some shit in my throat, sorry. Listeners, um, I did not have that issue, but I could understand because they had like the swirly background image, like Final Fantasy or something. Charlie, no, but I could totally uh, understand why you might have trouble reading it. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, I'm not into these kinds of games, but I really did like the old guy with like all the mechanical shit, like the robot guy that was narrating. Do you remember that guy? 
Dude, I think this game looks fucking awesome. Do you? Personally. Yeah, I, I love the imagery of this game. I love the enemy design. I don't know if it's too, like, over-the-top hack-and-slashy. I don't know if it's more – like, to me, I'm hoping that it's more along the lines of – it's giving me near Automata vibes. Okay. In terms of, like, it's kind of con- – <clears throat> the story concept. So, like, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe it goes down that road a little bit because uh, – yeah, I don't know. I love the imagery. I love like you're talking about that old guy that's like narrating. He looks he's, like, awesome. A fucking cyborg. He like looks dope as shit. I love the idea um, of like an old cyborg, like a wise cyborg. Like he's wiser than yeah. the other automatons. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the uh, antithesis of technology, right? If you have really old technology, typically it's stupider. But this gives the impression that because this guy's been around for fucking every smarter than everything. I don't know. Pretty awesome. I like the conundrum. Uh, <clears throat> fair enough. We got a sneak peek of a bonus PS5, PS4 exclusive quest for Hogwarts Legacy. I don't know how I feel about this game. At times, I think it looks super janky. And other times, I'm like, wow, this looks really good. I, I think we're going to be maybe down the middle on this one. I, I don't know that everyone's going to love it. I... It's really tough to say, but I'm holding out hope that this is going to be a really great game, and I'm, I am really excited to play it. To be completely honest, yeah. And I, I mean, I didn't really. Is this a day like one buy for you? I mean, we'll see when it gets closer to launch, but I'm guessing probably yes. All right. Uh, mostly because I mean, I personally am very interested in it, but also. Um, Sarah, my wife, is an incredibly big Harry Potter fan, so I know that she's really interested in seeing it. Yeah. Whether she plays it or I play it, someone's going to play it probably. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I mean, regarding this quest specifically, I don't know. I mean, it looks kind of <clears throat> neat, I guess, but I'm more interested in like what the moment-to-moment gameplay actually looks like Yeah. and feels like. Yeah, I can't imagine this bonus exclusive quest is going to be super long. I would guess anywhere between like an hour or two um, if you're taking your time. Usually these console exclusive quests are never very – they just want you to – I don't know. It's yeah, anyone's I guess, guess. I guess we'll find out. It's anyone's guess. Uh, all right, so let's get on to some PSVR 2 titles. Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. Star Wars title, PSVR 2, looks fine. Again, when they show PSVR 2 games on a flat screen, you can only guess, you know, what it's going to feel like when you put the headset on. I mean, it looks fine. A Star Wars game, sure. It makes sense. They're trying to push the new unit. I didn't have any opinion on this. Except, meh. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. VR games, like you said, are so difficult to judge via a trailer. I mean, to me, like, you really have to feel it when you're playing it to know if you're actually going to like it. Yeah. So I'm going to reserve judgment on this game as well until we actually, like, get a chance to really see it in person. It's already out on PC, I think. So it's not like it's a new thing either. Mm -hmm. Um and I haven't looked to see what the reviews are like on PC, but I'm guessing if it's coming to PlayStation, it must be okay. It probably is reviewing decent enough that they feel the need to port it. So yeah, or at least it's performing decent enough yeah. that they're 
they need to port. Well, Rogue Squadron was a great Star Wars game on PSVR, and I, they, I would like to see them port that to VR two for sure. Yeah. But the other PSVR two title that they showed was has also been launched on other VR platforms last year, but it's making its way to VR two, and it is a title called Demio or Demio, and it essentially looks like Hero Quest. Uh, which is a dungeon crawler that you roll fucking dice and you control little miniatures and you fucking play games. It looks so awesome. <laughs> People are stoked about this one, I think. So um, that'll be cool. And again, I didn't look to see the reviews or anything, but I hope it's cool. And then moving on, they riffed a bit more on the PS Stars, uh, which is like the bonus program, the loyalty program. They've confirmed that the collectibles from that you earn in PS Stars or get in PS Stars can be displayed on your PSN profile. So that's kind of nice. Sure. Do I care? Not really. But and they're not NFTs. And then lastly, we saw a game titled Sin Duality coming to PS5 in 2023. And it's supposed to be like a, according to the blog, a uh, dystopian futuristic adventure. Um, journey alongside your AI partner in Mecca to reclaim lost ground for humanity. Um, I don't know how I feel about this one either. I th- see. I think this looks good. The, the I think the, the thing that has that helped me is I watched both of these gameplay trailers for Japanese games. Um, when I say that, I mean, uh, uh, what was the last one we talked about? Stellar Blade yeah. and this Sin Duality game. I watched them both with the sound off, and I think that that <laughs> helps a lot. Because I'll be completely honest, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. I think that there are a lot of great Japanese games that turn people away because the trailers are fucking shit. They don't know how to make a trailer to appeal to a Western audience. And maybe... That's maybe they, maybe the, maybe there's something to be said about they shouldn't have to do that, right? It's they they should be able to kind of make their trailer their way, yeah, sure. And they shouldn't have to like adopt Western style. But at the same time, a lot of these games are great. I'm not saying don't make the Japanese trailer, but maybe like have your publisher in the in the states also make a trailer for the Western audience. So like it's not going like to hurt anything. A thing like yeah, like a thing like the state of play, you know, a game like this, you want to see a trailer that's fucking cinematic and artfully tailored like a trailer for The Last of Us or something like that. You don't want to see these these there's fast-paced for, mechs for, sliding for, around. For a, yeah. So for like a western audience, it's really bizarre to watch a trailer where like the music doesn't necessarily match the action, doesn't necessarily match, like, the fucking voiceover that's happening at the same time. Right. They're all, like, competing for, like, senses. For your attention, yeah, right. For your attention. Like, they're all saying and doing different the things. The music's always like this. It's just like that the whole fucking time. It's like... <laughs> Like fighting, you're just like, what the fuck is this? And then it's over, and you're like, I don't know, <laughs> I can't call it. And it's and it's and it's some guy like with a, a poor fucking you know dub that's like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Fight, fight, fight. 
it's like it's like okay, okay, okay. The problem, and I and I I, I sincerely do not mean to poke fun. No, we're not at poking Japanese fun. Gaming it's, culture. No, I'm just saying from from a Western perspective, if you want to sell these games, the trailers need to be a little bit more like. Like like cinematic and western tuned, they can still show a lot of gameplay. Dude, and stuff, I love, but it's a very lot of those games. You know, I I really like yeah. Near Automata. I liked uh, what's that other game I played that I liked a ton of, a boatload of. Um, it's not coming to me. There was another one that but was even, like for example, well, Valkyria Chronicles. Like a, right, that's a fantastic sure. game. And uh, Valkyria Chronicles, even like a Final Fantasy VII remake, which right. I know you haven't played, but like. It, the even that game like that game sold on name alone yeah i don't know that the, like the trailers the trailers were not like super bad but they were still very you have to be able to like get over there is some like translation jank that goes on yeah and it's it's bizarre but i will say that i, I it, like the like the last game i said um, Stellar Blade. I thought this game looked cool too, and uh, you know I love the idea of of having a mech that you like fly around, but it's like an open world action kind of third person shootery kind of game. I think that's kind of dope. But sure. I need to I need to see more. Yeah, I agree, and and I think the big problem, like you said, is like it does seem like in some of those trailers, every. Every sense is being challenged to focus and it's just almost too much. It's sensory overload. Like there's always like – usually there's always really big font on the screen, like block font. Like bam, bam. It hits you in the face as you're watching it and then the music's crazy and then you're not – like I watched that and I had – I still – I honestly, I had no clue what this game was about. Reading on the PlayStation blog what it's about sounds cool to me, right? <clears throat> So it says Sinduality is set in a dystopian future where poisonous rain and deformed creatures wreak havoc on the world where you and your AI partner must find a way to work together and reclaim lost ground for humanity. Adding to the excitement, we have partnered with prominent designers Nico for character design and Gyobo for mech design to bring their unique sci-fi style to the game. Please check out the reveal trailer below for a first look. And it talks about the world that you're in, how you're searching for scarce resources. Um... And they call it a cradle coffin. Is that when you get inside the mech or something? The world seems that you would take on a role, a role as drifters who make a living by collecting AO crystals, a rare resource that can only be obtained in dangerous terrestrial environments. You will take on each mission in, in your cradle coffin, an armed vehicle. <laughs> Fucking awesome name for that. Vehicle that would get you mobile during the adventure. Players can pers- can personalize the cradle coffin, not only its appearance, but the weapons equipped as well as make a cradle coffin suit your own playstyle. Sounds rad, but like the yeah. trailer, dude, I had no idea what I was watching. It's a lot of it's 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 a lot of smash cuts and shit. Like to me personally, I'd almost rather them just show like like two minutes of a character just walking around the world and like killing a couple things just like continuous gameplay yeah right not like these fucking smash cuts of like explosions and lots of particle effects and and numbers popping up i love the guitar solos and stuff i love all that shit but like it's just i i don't it's sensory overload it's here in ghana i'm like i don't know what i just saw and then you see a title and it's like i can barely read it like the the other one like i couldn't read that one 
Stellar Blade yeah. or whatever it was. Um, anyways, let's let's that's that's it. That's it. We ended on Sinduality. That was it for the PlayStation State of Play. <clears throat> I wanted to talk real quick about a couple games that we haven't really talked about on the show that need a, just a little bit of attention here before we before we sign off. Um, we're getting a sequel to Hollow Knight, and the game is going to be titled Hollow Knight Silk Song. We already knew about that, but we weren't sure if it was coming to the PS PlayStation, right? So the game was actually announced in 2019, but it's been confirmed this game will make its way to PS4, PS5 now. Jake, any opinions on Hollow Knight? Did you play that game? So I played a few hours of the first one. I never finished it. I don't know if there was a reason why I didn't. I just the game was <clears> too It was at the time that I played it it was too somber for it's me. It's a Metroidvania too kind of yeah, I mean, I didn't have a problem with the gameplay so much is that it was just too somber. Okay. Like, I, I – it, it was – it was um, it was dragging down my vibe, if you know what I mean. And, like, I I don't know what to say about it other than that. It, right. it seemed like a good game, and I know a lot of people like it, mm-hmm. but – so I don't really have a lot of room to be – making comments or judging Hollow Knight was developed by uh, Team Cherry and published by Team Cherry Um, but it uh, it did really well Um, people really like it it's a it's a very beloved game now and I just want to let the listeners know we are getting Hollow Knight the sequel Silk Song I don't know what the release date is I'm not sure it's been announced but we know it's coming to PS5 PS4 the next one is a game I'm not sure that you played or not but Outer Wilds it's been on sale many times recently. It's getting a free PS5 upgrade. This is a game that I always wanted to try, but I haven't gotten into, haven't tried it. Is this a game that you've played, Jake? Um, so I have not played it, but I've heard it's really good. Right. So I would definitely be interested in trying it out. (laughs) I wouldn't be. I just, uh, yeah, haven't had a chance to. I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those games that eventually rolls out to extra essentials, whatever, premium. I bet you Outer Wilds eventually makes its way. So I I when this this game came out a little bit before Outer Worlds came out right. and I kept getting the two of them confused. Mm-hmm. But I rem- I remember Maybe I haven't confused right that, now. Let me look it up. No, Outer Wilds Outer Wilds is the like indie game. Yeah. And Outer Worlds is the like the the like Fallout knockoff. Yes, I don't. I knockoff is a pejorative, but it, it's a very good game. But it's like you kind of know what I mean when I say that. Yes. So, I but no, I haven't played it, but I've heard it's I've heard it's very good. So I would like to give it a try. If sometime. any of the listeners have played this game, write in and let us know what you thought of it because I'm actually kind of interested in picking it up. All right, the next game. I don't remember if I actually talked about this game on a previous podcast. I could have on the podcast when LJ was on. I don't think I did, though. But there was an interesting video about a game called The Chant. And the video was all about the audio direction of the game. So the audio director of the game, Paul Ruske, he goes on and he discusses the process of crafting the spooky music for the game. And uh, I'll try and remember to put a link up on our Patreon for the patrons to check out this video. But if I don't, you can find the video at the Push Square website where we get a lot of our news. But we we always like to discuss music and video games. And the game The Chant is developed by Brass Token. And uh, they also obviously cite inspiration for the music um, 
by hinting references of like John Carpenter. So the game is set to release November 3rd, which means it's coming out really soon. It's a spooky game. It's just after Halloween. Um, it's a single-player, third-person horror action-adventure game set on a remote spiritual island retreat. To survive, you must craft, fight, and escape the psychedelic horrors set loose when a ritual goes wrong and awakens a dimension of cosmic terror. It looks fucking rad. This is that game that looks dope that's, that looks like it's about like a fucking cult or something, right? I think it is. Where like everyone's wearing white robes and shit. I think that's this game. On the island? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, yeah, it looks cool. The, I, I'm. I'd like to play it. They're getting some push. This was a thing. I think they did this really nice video for, and it looks like it could have even been featured on the PS blog. I don't know, but I'll post a link up. It's always really cool to see to see music creators and their process for video games, right? And this guy said that like Paul Ruske, he was kind of talking, and he said like. You know, because they they kind of ha- it has like a nineteen eighties, mid eighties, late eighties kind of vibe to the game, but it also has a modern twist on it. But some of the music he was using had kind of like that tech techno eighties sound to it, like the spooky sound. But then, like he was talking about how it was a really tough line to walk because so much of the game is dependent on the soundtrack and the spookiness and elevating the tension. And uh, he said one of the one of the first parts of the game, there's like a chase scene, and they actually, he couldn't get like the right drum rhythm. So he hired this drummer, this female drummer, drummer from France who was, France who was like a uh, jazz drummer or something. And it shows her like fucking drumming on the video, doing this shit. And uh, really cool kind of spontaneous drum stuff going on and I was like, man, that would be really cool for like a chase scene. It's just interesting as musicians, Jake, to talk, have these conversations once in a while. So I'll put that up on the Patreon if anyone's interested. I'll try to find the link and put it on there when I post this episode. Um, make sure to give it a look. It's only like four minutes long. It's really interesting. I don't know. Hmm. But I'm interested in the game. Yeah, and influenced by John Carpenter is always a plus because I love <laughs> those fucking John Carpenter soundtracks. They're so good. Yeah. From those old movies. Someone who knows their horror, right? To cite him. Yeah, yeah, so it should be good. I see your cat in the background. It's hilarious. I don't think you can see her on YouTube, but she's just staring up at the guitar case. It's just freaky looking. Um, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, so it, next next news point, 110, sorry, um, is um, Resident Evil 4 Remake. So this is a big game. Um, I think this is one of the more appreciated Resident Evil games. And it was only coming to the PS5. And uh, they have now indicated that they're going to be releasing it on PS4 as well. Um, Take what you want from that. Could that be good? Could it be bad? I don't know. I don't know what that means. That makes it kind of sound like they originally developed the remake for the PS5 and then realized that they could also push it out on the PS4, which I'm okay with. What I hate is when they try to make it for the old version and then constrain it via that technology and then move it to the PS5. Yeah. So 
what I and what I'm hoping, if there is a delay, that it's like okay, we'll release the PS5 version, and then maybe there's a delay before the PS4 version comes out because we need some extra time to like delete polygons or whatever the fuck they do to like make it stupider looking. So <laughs> easy, <laughs> like hey, or sorry, uh, it probably it probably just boil, it probably will just boil down to a like a uh, a slower frame rate. <clears throat> yeah, like it might be 30 frames as opposed to 60 frames. Yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm okay with this as long as it doesn't hold up the PS5 release or impact the development at all, um, because ultimately, if if it's on more consoles, more people have the opportunity to play it. And if you haven't played Resident Evil Four, have you played Resident Evil Four? I don't think I have. It's fucking amazing. So everybody needs to play this game. It's it is widely considered. It is widely contested as the best Resident Evil game. So, I mean, I, I know that there are arguments for two and stuff like that, but I think that um, it definitely makes sense for them to try to release it on as many consoles as possible because people are really going to be interested. Is this in the one that they put out in VR recently? Yes. Okay. On PC, I believe. Yeah. But it was all the old uh, graphics Oculus. and stuff. It wasn't up or anything. I think so. Yeah, they might have they might have upresed it a little bit or something, so that it wasn't like like literally fucking 480p or whatever the hell. Or PS2 well, we'll find was, out but... if I like it. I don't know. Two more news points, and then we're going to talk about the new games coming out. Um, this next one is uh, a pretty pretty well talked about PlayStation game coming out. It's Forspoken, and uh, I I hear like. I hear things that, you know, one of the trailers got ragged on quite a bit, and I don't know why, but as we approach nearer to the release of this game, um, we get another trailer, thanks to the Tokyo Game Show. And, however, the entire trailer is in Japanese. So, if you don't speak Japanese, uh, you're not going to understand what they're saying, um, but it still looks good. The game looks good, and uh, for Spoken, of course, we'll be releasing January 24th, 2023, it's developed by Luminous Productions and uh, published by Square Enix. And uh, the co-director, Takeshi Tirada, uh, this game, he says this game's going to take upwards of 30 to 40 hours to beat. It's mm. a pretty long-ass game. I guess I'm okay with that. I mean, I wouldn't want it to be any more than that for an open-world game. Yeah. But I don't know. They need to stop showing this fucking game. They need to just let it come out. Because they've been, they've released so many fucking trailers over the past two years of this game that, and every time they announce they release it, now they're, they're going to have a hard time clowning on this trailer because it's in Japanese and nobody understands it. But everybody just fucking clowns on every trailer that comes out for this game because they hate the writing for it. Yeah. So, um, and like just like the 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 dialogue of the main character, the and script, stuff, which, right? Yeah. Which, whatever. But the gameplay, nobody is arguing that the gameplay looks fucking awesome. So, I am interested in playing this game, I'll be honest. And I haven't watched a single trailer for it in the past probably year because I just... It's one of those things where it's like, okay, I saw the first trailer, I liked it. I saw the second trailer, I liked it. And then they released like three more trailers and I'm like, I don't need to see any more trailers. Just release the fucking game. This trailer looks and real good. Yeah, so we'll see when it comes out. I think it comes out like in January or something, right? So 
January 24th, you have it written. Yeah, down. January 24th. Yeah, so, so it's not too far away. So it's not the last we're going to hear about this game before it releases, that's for sure. I'm sure we're going to get more deep dives. We'll probably get a state of play all for it. Um, it's hard to say. Is it? This is a PlayStation exclusive or no? <sighs> that's a good question. I honestly don't remember. I, I feel like I thought it was, but I don't know if Same. it actually is. What's Forspoken. I all, all I can think about is how dumb the fucking name is. Yeah, what, um, Project uh, Atheon was so much better. Project Athia or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> PlayStation Five and Microsoft Windows. So it's console exclusive on PS Five. Okay, interesting. All right. Well, that's all we need to know as far as that. Last point of news, Jake, is we are finally as PlayStation fans are going to get our hands on an Octopath Traveler game. Octopath Traveler 2 was revealed for PS5 and PS4, and it's coming February of 2023. My question is, are we going to get part one? Dude, I don't know what the hell is up with Square Enix. Why can't we have part one? Like, they, they, they are really weird about who they choose to release their games on. It's like they... They actively – it's almost like they're actively trying to get people to buy every single console because like there will be games like that are ex- – like a lot of their games like this are exclusive to Switch. And then like, oh, it might come to Xbox but it doesn't come to PlayStation. And then – oh, so like Oct- – for example, Octopath Traveler 1 is on Xbox right now. <clears throat> Octopath – but it's not on PlayStation. It was released on Octopath Switch. Octopath Traveler – right. Octopath Traveler 2 is coming to PlayStation, but it's not coming to Xbox. So, what, you have to, if you want to play 1 and 2, you have to own an Xbox or a Switch and a PS5? That's fucking stupid. Just release them both. But it's probably, I mean, it it could be (coughs) that, like, you know, Nintendo is like, we'll sign this exclusivity deal with you, but, like, we don't care so much about Xbox, but you can't fucking release it on PlayStation because we're competing Japanese companies. That's a little bit freaking tinfoil hat, but like, I don't understand why Square Enix <coughs> is so bizarre with their exclusivity of their of their games. Yeah, if you're not, a- I, I just wish they would release them for everyone. Every just release them for everything. Yeah, some people I don't even want it to be exclusive. Some of our listeners might not even know what Octopath Traveler is. It's it's so good, by the way, because I did play it on Xbox. It is so good. It's uh, it it so Octopath Traveler is an RPG, um, and it's got a really interesting art style. It's like two D but three D at the same time. Um, they call it like HD two D. It's really like pretty, that. dude. It's like what they call it. It's basically like they they made a they made a two D like SNES style. JRPG, but in like Unreal Engine 4. So it's got like the water effects and the lighting, and like the maps are actually made with 3D models, even though they're textured with like the fucking uh, like um, pixel art from like the SNES era. It, it it's really interesting looking, and I hope that they do more of this with more games. So listen, if you go to the Wikipedia of Octopath Traveler, it doesn't make any sense, like you're saying, about the shit that it's released on. And I didn't even realize that a prequel came out on iOS. So here, let me give you this. Octopath Traveler is a role-playing video game developed by Square Enix in collaboration with Acquire. 
The game was released for Nintendo Switch in July of 2018, for Microsoft Windows in July in June 2019, Stadia in April of 2020, and for Xbox One in March of 21. The game has sold over 3 million copies worldwide by September 2022 and received generally favorable critical reception with the most common point of praise going to the graphics and art style. A prequel, Octopath Traveler Champions of the Continent, launched for Android and iOS in 2020 in Japan, followed by a worldwide release in 2022. The sequel... Octopath Traveler 2 is set to release worldwide for Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation 5, and Windows. It's like, what? Like, what? Like, just release it on everything, for fuck's sake. Ah. Yeah, I guess if you want to play them both, you have to own a Switch, which is kind of... It doesn't make any sense. Or, I guess, a PC, but... Yeah, I don't know. I I just... I don't get it. The the games Are are good, though, so... It's definitely worth playing, and they they also released that game Triangle Strategy, which is only out on Nintendo Switch right now, which is also the same kind of graphical style and vein. So, um, but just like based on what you were saying about when they released it on the different platforms, how it was like every year it was coming out on a new platform. Everyone thought that like this year it was going to come out on PlayStation, but it just never did. So who knows? Mm. I mean, maybe before two releases on PlayStation, we'll also get one coming up to it, but we'll see. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess the the prequel had some free-to-play game mechanics in a turn-based JRPG. Um, Destructoid apparently noted similar concerns about how modern free-to-play mechanics would mesh with a traditional JRPG. Other outlets such as IGN and Touch Arcade expressed hope that the game would eventually be localized. So I, I don't know that... The this is Champions of the Continent, the prequel. I don't know. I was gonna just check and see if I could get it on one of my Apple devices just to fucking dive in a little bit. And from what I understand though, too, like I didn't I know people who've played the game but only played it like one story for like one of the characters. All the stories are individual stories that eventually maybe intersect. I don't know. But you get to pick whose story you want to play at what point. So I don't know if Octopath Traveler Two is a continuation of the first character stories or if it's just a brand new game it's like a bunch of new characters in their stories yeah they could do it either way i mean the way that they do it is like all the characters are traveling together mm-hmm. but all of the characters will do each care like it's like basically like i'll join your group but we have to at some point do my thing and so like all the characters will go and do all the stories on this person's arc and then that person's arc and then that part. It's like they're all working together to solve everybody's problems. It's very interesting and unique kind of strategy. And it is really cool to have like a bunch of different stories kind of combined into one game. Yeah, it says, in the world of Celestia, Celestia, eight new travelers venture forth into an exciting new era. Where will you go? What will you do? Whose tale will you bring to life? Every path is yours to take. Embark on an adventure all on your own. Um, it looks like it's still H- HD 2D graphics. Um, and uh, it just familiar mechanics. So it looks like it's essentially just another Octopath Traveler game with no intersecting storylines based on the website. So that's I'm I'm okay with that. But I cool. still would like the original, just saying. Yeah, definitely. Let's it's get let's get into new games, Jake. Um new games coming out this week. 
Um, and this is like a little – this is a little post week because we're recording this on the 17th. And I was having trouble – see if you can find a more updated list, Jake, because this list ends on uh, September 16th. Usually I pull these from Push Square. When I did the notes, there wasn't any newer game list. And they might not release it until Sunday or Monday. We're recording this actually a little early for Jake and I. Usually we're at the 11th hour rushing around trying to get this this shit done. Um, I say that as if it's such a burden. But uh, I uh, yeah, we're, we're doing this on Saturday, so we have a little bit of extra time. But maybe a little bit of a recap as well as some additions to – what we talked about is the new games last week, unless Jake can find a new list. Um, September 13th, yeah, this was on there because I said I laughed and I said I almost said Little Orpheus. Little Orpheus on PS5, Isonzo PS5, Voice of Cards, The Beasts of Burden on PS4, Windstorm, Start of, Start of a Great Wind, uh, Friendship on PS4 is released. Um, there are new additions to the last one that I did talk about last week, so we'll talk about some more of these. Uh, December 14th, Anyone's Diary came out on PSVR. Cube, 10th anniversary. Unexplored 2, The Wayfarer's Legacy came out. September 15th, uh, we had Arcade Archives, Rompers, Blind Fate, Ido Noyami, Despo's Games, uh, Fire Commander, PS5, PS4, Inertial Drift, The Twilight Rivals Edition, Metal Hellsinger on PS5, Outer Wilds on PS5. We talked about that in this show. Um, Paddles, PS5, PS4, SBK22, Wayward Strand. Uh, September 16th, Crystal Ortha. Last Beat Enhanced, Lit, Bend the Light, Maggie the Magnet, Plunder Panic, Stroke the Dog, The Dark Prophecy, Trash Soldiers, Undernaughts, Labyrinth of Yomi, Unichrome, A1-Bit Unicorn Adventure, and Various Day Life. Those are the games. Uh, did you find an updated list or no? No. And we talked about fucking SBK22 last week because I talked about how all those games are made by the same fucking And company. this list is bigger than the one we had last week, though. So they must have added to it. So it is what it is. Uh, so no current game list for the listeners, but I don't know how much they really care. It's just fun for us to look at them and talk about them in case something stands out. But nothing. I mean, there's a VR game on here. Um, Metal Hellsinger is fucking awesome. So... I, I don't know if I'll play it just because I'm pretty sure that it – if they have a mode where you don't have to like start over if you die, yeah. then I'm all about it. You said that but exact if, same thing last episode. It's so I know, funny. I know. <laughs> but this – that game is so, that game is so good. Yeah. I apologize for those that are listening that are like, quit fucking talking about it. Well, but you know, we probably have some so new good. listeners listening this month or this week. So, yeah. I mean you've got you've got the pedestal, man. You've got the – what do they say? You've got the uh, the floor. The floor is yours. You've got the floor, Jake. Say say it. Say what you want to say. If you own a PlayStation 3, you should play Warhammer Space Marine <laughs> and and Richard. Oh. If you're if you're a if you're a long-time PlayStation PS is awesome listener, then and you haven't played Richard or Warhammer Space Marine, then you're not a real listener of PS. This is awesome. Just saying. This is a hundred percent a fact. <laughs> and if you haven't played the first season of The Walking Dead, Telltale, um, you're obviously not a fan of this podcast, right? Or any of the Uncharted so, games. Boom. I wish that we had the rights to, pl- to. I wish we had the rights to play that fucking intro song to Richard on the show. Let's write the studio and ask him. <laughs> I can't even remember what it sounds like. Uh, at this point, I remember it being good. 
Yeah. It, uh, remember it started like, it had like the slide guitar. I was like, it's so good. So yeah, good. Yeah, it into like this like twang fest and he's like drinking beer in a fucking rock hopper. It's so cool. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's be done with this for the day, man. I hope the listeners enjoyed this podcast. There was a lot to talk about. We talked about the state of play. We talked about games we're playing, you know, VR2 talk. We had a lot of talk. The chant. All kinds of things. The new uh, Hollow Knight game. What else did we do? We talked about the Octopath shit for Spoken. Um, Resident Evil. All that good stuff. So we're always talking games, Jake. And uh, we do just tend to chat a lot about bullshit. But well, I don't I feel I don't know that this is true. But lately I feel like we haven't been giving much opinion on the show. We're just kind of talking this happened, that happened, this happened. But I feel like we are giving opinions, though. I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving opinions. I don't know. I was just say I feel like I give only opinions. <laughs> this kind of person yeah. <laughs> present the You're show. You're full so. of fucking opinions. Yeah. But I, that's, I'm the color commentator, so that's you fine. Are. You are. Yeah, I kind of direct things, and I'll chime in where I need to. I think we've got a good formula. Um, I get excited when I need to, when I want to. Uh, I will say Darkest Dungeon 2 is uh, still early access. I want to get back and beat the first Darkest Dungeon, but I don't think it's ever going to happen, man. That game is so brutal. It's so tough towards the end. I just need to restart it. It's so fun. It's so fucking fun. This is the time of year. Yeah, anyways, I digress. I'm done. Jake, do you have anything uh, to tell the listeners? Anything you'd like to get off your chest before we close off for the week? Uh, no. Um, my hockey season starts tomorrow, which I'm super fucking stoked about. Yeah. Which means that it's getting close to winter, which also means that theoretically I'll have more time to play video games. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, don't really got a whole lot going on. I got to pull some weeds tomorrow. Um, domestication is set in. I was going to do it today, but today was my kind of dick around paint miniatures and uh prepare the podcast and have a good relaxing saturday so tomorrow's gonna be an outside in the yard work kind of day which i'm looking forward to but at the same time i'm not because i'd rather just be sitting inside playing video games or painting miniatures <laughs> again <laughs> but uh such is life man but i'll let you go thanks for tuning in listeners this has been episode 241 of ps this is awesome we're a playstation podcast been doing this shit for a long time thanks for being a part of it thanks for listening uh to labor love obviously and again if you want to write the show you can write us at ps this is awesome at gmail.com or you can throw us a dollar a month on our patreon just to help help us out and uh say thank you and uh you know, you can post on there, interact with us. I'm going to be posting these episodes as I do every week on our Patreon site. And if we record them early, you guys might get them a day early if you're on Patreon. Not that that even fucking matters to anybody. But it's a thing and it could happen. And I'm sorry that I just cussed. I just uh, – I'm in rare form this evening. So, yeah. Uh, thank you. And that's about all I have to say about that. So, like Vengeful Guardian Moonrider, Voyage – and vroom PS yeah this is awesome this is awesome you couldn't pick valkyria chronicles for v